Handbook for Humanity is a production of the DeZormo Foundation, a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life, born and unborn. If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit DeZormoFoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X Foundation.org. To donate, look under Funds column and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support. Thank you once again for joining us. We are Handbook for Humanity. My name is Colby, and joining me in studio today is the lovely Miss Becky. Thank you. <laughs> and man on the street, Mr. Tom. Yes, uh, making sure that all the levels and the needles are doing what they're mm-hmm. supposed to be doing and in, enjoying being with you folks out there in podcast land today. Thanks for listening. He doesn't just make sure it happens. It does happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. So how was uh, y'all's week? It's been good so far, really. Yeah, I've enjoyed um, I've enjoyed my work this week. I really have. That's good. It's been good. It's kind of like, you know, when it just kind of flows and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, yeah. Flow state. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, some amazing mm-hmm. things around the foundation. A um, couple of babies on the property. Oh, wow. Hey. Oh, that's always amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, it, you could sort of feel it uh, around campus. Um, mm. That uh, it's it's very very special time. Um, moms and babies are doing well. Yeah, right? praise God. Thank That's you wonderful. For that. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, e- excited to see um, the support that uh, Acadiana is giving us to help support um, these little ones and their moms. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And please uh, continue to do so. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if you're listening and you don't now, we would encourage you to pray and consider that. Yes. Because mm-hmm. even though we, we have the show with specific intentions and topics, we are in a mission of the foundation. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the goal is to continue to bring attention to that. So yeah. yes. Here's your sign. Here's attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually maybe a good way to introduce our topic we're going to talk about today mm. is the meditation on givenness. Givenness. Yes. By our beloved Pope Saint. Mm-hmm. And so we'll kind of be exploring uh, this meditation that he um, brought in what is in front of me says 1994. Uh, it was the year my brother was born. Oh. 92. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't get it right. <laughs> it was a while back. We'll say that. Um, but Becky, you mentioned that it's uh, very close to after he released the letter to families. Mm-hmm. And so um, it wasn't printed till later. But uh, we thought it'd be good to have this in a series of podcasts where we reflect on the topics of complementarity um, from a couple different perspectives. Yes. So we've last time we talked about with Emma's capstone. Right. Um, if our airing and the orders are correct. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we aired Brian's, um, Brian's complementarity as a little teaser for Total Vision. Okay. And Emma's is coming after this one. All right. You so got stay it. We tuned. We did record with Emma about complementarity. So. We had a great conversation yes, with Emma on complementarity and mm-hmm. the difference between men and women and psychology and perceptions and how we perceive things. Yeah. Uh, little teaser how we drive <laughs> or how we uh, have conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you have something to look forward to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea yeah. of complementarity and there are different ways to really kind of mm-hmm. evaluate that yes. and see it yes. based on our different experiences. Yeah. But um, given this in, in the perspective that how 
we are really in a position and invitation to trust ourselves to another person mm-hmm. uh, easily more easily seen in maybe a spousal relationship or like a romantic relationship sure. or we've seen a parent it's and child it's yeah. foundation mm-hmm. of a lot of those things and so um he starts the document with you know given can one man say to another god has given you to me and the first thing i thought of was um usually in marriage or a yeah. wedding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's one of the things that people always kind of look at mm-hmm. or look for yes is when a father gives his daughter yeah to her future husband that's right um but today we're all about autonomy mm. i am mm-hmm. my own person i don't mm-hmm. belong to another person mm-hmm. and this idea that we are so independent that to rely on another person or to trust another person with the things that are most intimate to us sure or most important to us mm-hmm. it's hard mm-hmm. um i think young people right this whole idea that you have to move out very early and then go to college and be your own woman or be your own man yeah is something that's ingrained into us constantly. Mm. And so to think about being entrusted or possessed or being given to another person mm-hmm. is completely countercultural to what so many people perceive mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, I think we'll dive into it, and Becky, you'll probably share in our teaching segment. Yes. But how really this idea and this concept is meant to model how God even created the world. Yes. It's like written into the very fabric of existence, creation, and our own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, about how we we are created as a gift for God back to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Adam and Eve, you know, it says he gave her to the man. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that um, even when we reflect back on relationship identity mission, right, Rem, it's like our identity and who we are really can only be understood in the context of a relationship with another person. Right. We were made for a relationship. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's there's something, when we say ownership, um, a lot of times we think of possession or hmm. like something that I I own as in like I can dictate or have command or mm. or mm-hmm. um, dominion over what happens with that object. Right. But I think the other way to really look at that and the other perception that we'll try to, to put into that context is mm. ownership also comes with great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And uh, yes. You'll, we'll, we'll talk about how often he uses the word entrustment. Mm. You know, I think that's something we'll be able to talk more about, that responsibility, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you have gift and trustment and appreciation for beauty. And uh, as we kind of get close, I maybe to going into our teaching segment, but um, I know one thing that was always really big in my conversion was this idea of beauty mm-hmm. and about how, you know, things are true, good, and beautiful. That's what attracts us to God and attracts us to others. But unless... We, we take possession of that beauty with the intention of preserving, protecting, and maintaining that beauty mm-hmm. in perpetuity, then really what's the point? Yeah. Uh, or like our role as parents, right? 
Yes. Our children are entrusted to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we don't. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, that's when things really get serious right there. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. You know, just some reflection on that that, uh, that I'll be sharing as Becky finishes up some of the, uh, the teaching part of it. But that was what really hit uh-huh. me was uh, as I have children who are, uh, you know, getting older, um, definitely could see a little bit of myself in them and in, in, in this time in their lives. Mm. And, I'm, you know, what is going on in my world at, at that time, just kind of remembering. And it was it was waking up to the responsibility mm. of what I am going to have to do in life. <laughs> going right? forward. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I, it, it is some uh-huh. it, it is maybe that sobering shaking that mm-hmm. I think wakes up. I think I could raise my hand for that list. I was in that line that really, I think, got me to say, hey, um, this is serious stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking forward to mm. digging into it a little bit deeper. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So mm-hmm. Handbook for Humanity, we are reflecting on the meditation from Pope St. John Paul II on givenness mm-hmm. and his letter that is actually not that long. Uh, and we'll link it in the show notes. So if you want to go and read it for yourself, which is always an encouragement, we do. Yes. Um, but this I think is why we do what we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Becky, you've got a couple of thoughts and notes prepared for our, our kind of teaching segment to dive in deeper. So yes, actually, um, anytime I get to do the teaching session, I'll always be reading John Paul II's words mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's there's nothing there's nothing more that I have uh, to give than really what has been given to me. Um, speaking of givenness, so I'm I'm happy to break open by reading his actual words. And this is not the entire document that I'm reading in these 10 minutes, but but key segments that we'll then talk about after, right? Really encourage you to go and read the whole thing. Um, So here we are. So um, in creating man as man and woman, John Paul II says, God imprints on humanity the mystery of that communion, which is the essence of his interior life. The essence of his interior life, right, is how God created us as man and woman. We'll talk more about that. And here's the line Colby mentioned in, the, in his own thoughts about, can one man say to another, God has given you to me? John Paul II says, as a young, as a young priest, I once heard my spiritual director say to me, perhaps God wills to give you that person or to give that person to you. These were words of encouragement, urging me to entrust God and accept the gift one man becomes for another. I suspect it didn't immediately dawn on me that these words also hide a profound truth about God, man, and the world. The world, the very world in which we live, the human world, is the setting of an ongoing exchange of gifts, gifts given and received in many different ways. People live not only alongside one another, but also in manifold relationships. They live for each other, relating to one another. They are brothers and sisters, wives and husbands, friends, teachers, students. It may seem that there is nothing extraordinary in this, that it is just the normal pattern of human life. In certain places, this pattern intensifies And it is there at those points of intensification that this gift of one person to another becomes most real. When two people join 
with one another, not only do they give themselves to each other, but God also gives them to one another. The book of Genesis reminds us that God saw that all creation was good. Creation is a good for man so long as man is good for the creatures around him, the animals, the plants, as well as the inanimate creation. If man is good to them, if he refrains from unnecessary damage or thoughtless exploitation, then this creation forms a natural environment for him. Creatures become his friends. They enable him not only to survive, but also to find himself. God in creating revealed his glory and gave the whole richness of the created world to man. He gave it to man for him to rejoice in it, to rest in it. The poet Norwood, this is John Paul II saying, the poet Norwood um, says to rest, restore, to reset, to renew denotes to be conceived anew, to be reconceived. God gave the world to man for him to find God in it and also to find himself. In the book of Genesis, we read that on the last day of creation, God made man and woman. He created them. He created them in this instance. This means even more profoundly that God gave them to each other mutually. He gave to man the womanhood of the woman who is of his kind, a helpmate like unto him, and also gave man to the woman. So since from the beginning, man has been given to the other by God. If we read the text of Genesis carefully, we find in it the very beginning, as it were, of this giving. We must understand the term helpmate in its most basic meaning. Woman is given to man so that he can understand himself. And reciprocally, man is given to woman for the same end. They are to mutually affirm each other's humanity, a wed by its dual richness. On first beholding created woman, man must surely have thought, God gave you to me. He said as much, though in different words, but he said as much. Awareness of gift and givenness is clearly written into the biblical creation account. For man, woman is first an object of awe and wonder. With her appearance, the world first encounters what Gertrude von Lefort, an author, termed the eternal feminine. So we're going into a section called Gift and Entrustment. God has given you to me. As is apparent, these words I heard in my youth were not a mere random remark. God does indeed give people to us. He gives us brothers and sisters in our humanity. Genesis affirms at the very beginning that man is in the image and likeness of God. This means that a special fullness of being resides in him. There is a very deep connection between being for oneself and being for others. Only someone who has dominion over himself can become a sincere gift for others. And this holds true to God's being in the ineffable mystery of his interior life. Man has also been called from the beginning to such a likeness in being. That is why God created him male and female. In creating woman and bringing her to man, God opened man's heart to an awareness of gift and givenness. She is from me and she is for me. 
Through her, I can become a gift because she herself is a gift for me. Womanhood denotes motherhood, and motherhood is the form of entrustment of one man to another. The word entrustment is especially important here. God wants to give another person to you means that God wants to entrust that other person to you. And to entrust means that God believes in you, trusts that you are capable of receiving the gift. You are capable of embracing it within your heart and that you have the capacity to respond to it with a gift of yourself. In this way, in creating man as man and woman, God imprints on humanity the mystery of that communion which is the essence of his interior life. Man is drawn up into the mystery of God by the fact that his freedom is subjected to the law of love, and love creates interpersonal communion. God, man's creator, is not only the omnipotent Lord of all that exists, but is also the God of communion. This communion is where the special likeness between man and God is played out. Through man, this likeness should radiate out to all creation so that it becomes the cosmos. Man's communion with all that is created and creation's communion with man. Now we're moving briefly into a little piece about the appreciation of beauty. Love has many facets. It seems that first of these is a disinterested predilection, partiality, or liking. God who is love bestows from God who is love bestows this form of love above all other forms upon man, a loving predilection. The eyes of the creator, though embracing the whole created universe, rest especially on man, who is the object of his special liking. They rest on both man and woman as he created them. Perhaps that is why Genesis emphasizes that they were both naked and felt no shame. Elsewhere, the author of the letter to the Hebrews writes, And before him no creature is hidden, but all are open and laid bare to the eyes of him. God embraces man and woman in the whole truth of their humanity. He rests his creative and fatherly favor predilection in this truth he grafts this disinterested liking this predilection into their hearts he makes them capable of mutual love of a liking for one another in man's eyes the woman is a special synthesis of the beauty of all creation and he too similarly similarly in her eyes their nakedness is in no way a source of shame it is deeply transformed by the love the Creator has for them. One can speak here of a certain special absorption of shame by love, this time by the God of love himself. This love lets them interact with one another and rejoice in the gift of each other in all simplicity and innocence. It also allows them to experience the givenness of their humanness, which always retains the dual modality of male and female. And I'm going to take a break here as we take a break here and throw it over to Colby. That's right. <laughs> so yes. so uh, thank you, Becky. And I mean, I've got a handful of mental notes that we'll definitely dive into in our next <laughs> section. But uh, yeah, so you listen to Handbook for Humanity. We are 
reflecting on the meditation of givenness by Pope St. John Paul II. Becky broke down some very beautiful passages from there. And when we come back, we will kind of dive into some practical applications of some of the things that were shared uh, and some personal experiences. So stay tuned. And we are back. You're listening to Handbook for Humanity. And in studio is Mr. Tom and Becky and myself, Colby. Hello, hello. hello. (laughs) Thanks for joining us after these couple minutes of commercials. We uh, are reflecting on Pope St. John Paul II's meditations on givenness. And we kind of opened with, you know, like, what is this term? How is it somewhat relevant to us today? Um, Becky just went through some beautiful passages from the meditation itself that we have linked in the show notes for you to go read. And now we're going to dive into, um, of some of those concepts and things that were shared, what maybe stuck out to us and, and how it relates to us on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, so this, we were talking about the dual mo- modality mm-hmm. of male and female, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was the last words that I used. And now we're moving into another paragraph where he says, it is n- worth noting that the words that institute marriage are not the first words of the creator. He speaks to them ratherly of bodily union, hmm. of man and woman in marriage, as it were, from the vantage point of their future choice. Man is to leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and become one flesh with her and give beginning to new life. From the very beginning, the preservation of humankind is conceived within this order of God's creation. This very preservation, however, already presupposes a loving predilection. There it is. They keep using that word. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about that, Colby. <laughs> <laughs> <You got it, laughs> within themselves, man and woman must first find a mutual predilection and discover the beauty of being human. And then their hearts beget the need to give new life to transmit the gift of humanity to new beings whom God in his own time may give to them. Anyone who judges that the biblical account of man's creation is dominated by biology is in great error. The creator says, be fruitful and multiply so you, f- so you fill the earth and subdue it. Only after first have cre- having created within their hearts an interior space of loving predilection that is especially governed by beauty. (laughs) (laughs) One may say that in this way, in creating woman, God triggers the great aspiration for beauty, which will become the subject of man's creativity, art, and much else. Mm -hmm. There is a certain quest for beauty in every spiritual creativity, a certain quest for that for yet new forms of incarnation, new sources of wonder, which is as indispensable to man as food and drink. Norwid, the poet that he spoke about earlier, says beauty exists to awe us into work, and work exists to raise us from the dead. We just talked about work recently. This is an interesting line. If man indeed rises again through work, through the different forms of work he carries out, this is precisely due to the inspiration that draws from beauty, from the beauty of the visible world and within it, especially the beauty of womanhood. The resurrection is the revelation of the greatest beauty. 
A revelation foreshadowed in the transfiguration. The apostles' eyes were awed by this beauty, and they wished to remain in its orbit. So now we're moving into the redemption of the body. This is the section we're going into. The beauty of the transfiguration strengthened the apostles so they could endure the humiliating passion of the transfigured Christ. For beauty is a source of strength for man. It is inspiration for work a light that guides us through the darkness of human existence and allows us to overcome all evil, all suffering with good, since hope in the resurrection cannot be misplaced. All men know this, every man and woman knows this, for Christ is risen. There is a knowing, he says, of every man and woman about this. Mm. What does that mean? Hmm? So there is also a quiet... There is also a quest for the form of this beauty that finds expression in all human creativity. If creativity is a special way in which man expresses himself, it is also an expression of that yearning which Paul speaks of. There is suffering connected with this yearning since all of creation is groaning in pangs of childbirth. The yearning of the human heart after this primordial beauty with which the creator has endowed man is also a desire for the communion in which the sincere gift of self is manifested. This beauty and this communion are not goods that have been lost irrevocably. They are goods to be redeemed, retrieved, and in this sense, every human person is given every other, every woman is given to every man, and every man is given to every woman. Whew, that's a big one. Mm, yes. Wow. That's a lot to think about. So it is the dint of our redemption that the other person, the woman for the man and the man for the woman, is such a great and inestimable gift. Redemption is rightly understood to be the settlement of this great debt that fell to mankind due to sin. Nevertheless, it is also and perhaps mostly a re-giving of man to the whole of creation of that goodness and beauty that which had first been in the mystery of creation. Each person carries within himself an inestimable value. He receives this worth from God, who himself became man and revealed the divine life that he confided, as it were, to man. Thus, he created a new order of interpersonal relationships. In this new order, man is even more so the only creature on earth which God willed for his own sake and a personal being revealing a likeness to God, a being who can only find himself fully through sincerely making a gift of himself. Redemption, therefore, is the opening of human eyes to the whole order of the world that is found, uh, founded upon disinterested gift. It is in this order that is deeply personal and also sacramental. Redemption affirms the sacredness of all of creation. Can we... Uh can yeah. we dive into some yeah, we things real quick? Yeah, we certainly can. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I know you asked me to break open the word. Yes. Predilection. Yes, we have to do that. And to kind of circle into, really, uh, personally for me, like the major takeaway from this whole document and reflection. Yeah. Is, uh, given this is really kind of a, a doubling down or really looking into that concept we talk about, like love is a gift of self. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and choosing the good of another person. Yeah. So we say love is a choice. It's it's an act. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's what we actually do with our bodies mm-hmm. and how we relate to other people and, and yes. how we serve them. And predilection, uh, like one of the, the passages that was in here that kind of stuck out to me and can really I think explain this well is 
Uh, you said every man is unique. Uniqueness is not a limitation, but a window into the depths that God wills that it, you are the one who has inestimable worth and value and beauty. So that's the case. Do not be afraid of your predilection. Loving predilection is at least a participation of what God had in store for man when he created him. Mm. So if you have the grounds mm. of fear that your predilection could be a destructive force. Right. Don't be. Mm. Fruits will show themselves and whether your predilection is for the good. So still said another five, six times. I haven't explained what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Here we are. I'm, but I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> so predilection is, um, uh-huh. you, you hear the word dialect uh-huh. speaking, mm-hmm. the common tongue between people like in, a, in an area. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> really, it's pre dialection mm-hmm. so dialection is also like diligence or trying to understand something so it's it's the idea that before you even understand something you trust that it's good to choose it okay hmm. so you mentioned the word entrustment ah. many times mm-hmm. and i think today we have this paralyzing fear like what he says that trusting something or another person mm-hmm. with our good is very scary mm-hmm. it is scary mm-hmm Right when I was at the altar and I offered Valerie my everything, I was shaken. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a nervous moment to trust yourself fully to another person. But he says, the fruits will show themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's before we can even fully understand something, we have the ability to trust his faith. Mm -hmm. We place our faith into another person that they have our good at heart and they're going to choose our good time and time again. When they don't, Forgiveness and mercy and peace and healing. Reconciliation. Reconciliation mm-hmm. is present and available. Yeah. But we have to take that risk of trusting other people and for other people to trust themselves with us. And what's striking me as you're saying that is that he did it first for us. This word predilection comes into play in this meditation as how God feels about humanity and how he is towards humanity. Yeah. He did it first for us. Like he, he actually did entrust himself to us and all of creation. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a definition just off the internet there, a predilection is a preference or special liking for something. Yes. But I, I like the notation that it was possibly inherently already there, you know, as, as, part of creation um sort of like a little piece that was put inside of yeah. the puzzle there to say yeah. Yeah. hey this is this is going to happen and you, you can see this lived out like in your family or your friendship circle mm-hmm. like your affinity to the people that are close to you mm-hmm. is almost like a given mm-hmm. yeah so your yeah. your children or your your parents mm-hmm. or whomever you have a, a very good relationship with like your preference for them is above others yes because that's it's inherent. Mm-hmm. Our relationship drives the level of trust and and our givenness to another person. Yeah. Versus a stranger enters our life, yeah. and they kind of have to build that trust. They have to right. earn it. <laughs> and I feel like that becomes because of fam- familiarity, right? And just daily living, um, it just gets kind of lost in a sense. And I think this is really interesting that he would have chosen to write this very shortly after letter to families, um, because it's it's the wonder and awe mm-hmm. i mean true love and chastity and and right relationship and healthy family life begins with wonder and awe 
And if we lose that sense of mm. the wonder and awe, we are, have a vulnerability there. And I almost feel like he, he intentionally or just was inspired by the Lord, you know, with this beautiful meditation to give us that experience of wonder and awe at the very um, high calling that he had expressed in Letter to Families. Um, I love that. I think it's so beautiful and it's very hopeful. Um, I think it requires um, just a huge paradigm shift though when you when you talk about it um being able to feel yourself worthy mm. in some situations and I, and I I kind of want to go back to something Kobe said earlier about the you know people leaving home and going off to college and that sort of thing I, I in a lot of s- situations um people hopefully have the opportunity in that environment to find out a little bit more about themselves mm-hmm. um hopefully through a positive lens Mm -hmm. and then give the ability to come out on the other side and go there's obviously there's value and you know the confidence that comes with that yeah and you know in that regard I think there's definitely um hope and the ability that you could see that way but but walking one of the the visual things that popped into my mind going through this is just as as many people that you cross during a day and you're your daily life, um, that that they are purpose purposefully put in your path mm. is 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 a whole nother thing. So you've got your ability to be gift, and you've got to be able to have an idea that this person is a gift to you as yeah. well. Um, it it opens up a whole bunch of possibilities, right? Yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> to, to putting yeah. it into context of. Well, is, uh, you know, back to my old Stephen Covey, is this going to be efficient or um, is this really going to be something that I'm going to be able to get value out of and, right. and taking the time to do that mm-hmm. um, for, uh, for, or for what God's trying to show us through this person? Yeah. I like what he says about the intensification, though, of the relationship. And that's really where, you know, I mean, yes, in a sense, reading this and meditating on this helps us to have that deep regard for every person we come into contact with, mm-hmm. you know, in a day. Um, but also just that reverence for a special entrustment, you know, relationally. And to be, uh, I think, him highlighting in some sense are keeping us aware, mm-hmm. you know, giving us an opportunity to remain aware that there are particular entrustments to mm-hmm. us in relationships of being given and given to, you know, of the other person. So I'll give a comparable analogy in the business world that a lot of people probably understand or connect mm-hmm. with. So professional liability is the term where you engage with someone on a professional basis Mm -hmm. to receive a service and that person does not deliver the service to the standard or the expectations that were understood okay okay the most common application is medical malpractice right Uh you go to a doctor or you have surgery there is a level of expectation that you will have a standard of care that is fitting for the outcome you desire Mm -hmm. and you trust the doctor or the medical team or whomever to do that for you and when you don't there's issues that arise from that hmm. because that person received lower standard of care 
mm-hmm. than was expected. Mm-hmm. And so that applies in so many other areas like accountants, right? If they don't do your taxes right and you have mm-hmm. issues with the IRS, then you have professional liability against the accountant. Like any type of service or relationship you engage with that has an expectation of standard of care, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a, a reason for that standard of care. And as I think as good as an analogy as that is, it doesn't compare to the standard of care that we have in terms of the relationships that are entrusted to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Between spouses, between parents and children. Because uh, like Tom, like earlier you mentioned about kids, right? And mm-hmm. the level of responsibility that comes with that. Mm-hmm. I remember too, you know, like throughout pregnancy and everything else, like you build up to that. But there's something special about the first time you lay eyes on your children. Mm-hmm. Like life is different mm-hmm. <laughs> from this moment forward. Life is different. The standard of care that I now have to give to this other person is above anything else that I've done before. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, the vulnerability there, especially, you know, nowadays when you're allowed to go into the birthing room and you see the mm-hmm. whole, you know, glorious event take place mm-hmm. and you see obviously the the vulnerability of the child and then now your your wife is um nurturing that child and they're they're like a unit right and so Mm -hmm. here you are going okay uh so the only person that's really focusing in on what's going on around them they're they're so intertwined Mm -hmm. you know within uh, you know providing nourishment for the child Mm -hmm. and everything and you're like all right, uh, you know, uh, antennas up. Let's see what's going on around <laughs> us here. <laughs> it really engaged me in that way. It was uh-huh. like, it. This is different. It is. Yeah. It's a new day, mm. um, and it was quite wow. quite sobering. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is uh, going to be very different. Mm-hmm. And being the youngest uh, in my family, um, I did kind of see that. You know, w- w- with my my siblings. Um, in, in their relationships and, and my sister having children but when it was me personally it, yeah. w- it was like it was totally different you know it was like oh this is a new thing you know, this <laughs> is very very different but uh it, it definitely um woke me up and I, I think for you know a lot of a lot of people can relate to that um and so there's if there's people in your family or, or you know you're, you have young men around and, and maybe they're still kind of stumbling down the street uh, when that opportunity comes up i think you're, you're certainly going to see a different person mm. yeah yep so there's hope again yes hope. <laughs> yeah i remember yeah through our pregnancy and all the advice that people tried to give us mm-hmm. and it was good and well-intentioned and there were some things i learned from there's still still something of just going through it yourself that points to this uniqueness that he talks about. Uh-huh. Like it's your experience. And even this past week I was in another state for a conference and I met a guy during one of the, the sessions and he mentioned that his wife is pregnant. They're going to have their first child in a few months. And he asked me any advice. And I said, Nope, <laughs> <laughs> just do it. Yeah. That's a beautiful gift to give him. Like mm-hmm. it just experience. It, yep. right? So yeah. just do it. Mm-hmm. I said, you probably have a ton of people already trying to give you advice. Yeah. And it's going to be valuable and some things will make sense now and some things won't. But your experience of going through that and learning about the dynamics of your relationship now with your wife and your new child mm. is something you just got to experience. Yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good invitation. And he looked at me funny, but he's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of that. And so 
as we've, you know, kind of gone through these reflections and these concepts, I guess the challenge or the departing invitation is, uh, as we always do, is invite you to go read this reflection and meditation for yourself. Mm. But also reflect on uh, the cheesy term, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And so with great givenness comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. But the Lord doesn't entrust things to us unless he also trusts us with those things. Right. Well, and the, and I think the key here, too, of what is being expressed repeatedly um, is that the Lord established this relationship with each one of us. Hmm. And it talks about that. He references that, that. But, you know, like before they were given to one another in that intimate union, they had to experience the love that predilection, that gaze of God. Yeah. I love that part of it when they say that the eyes of God were on man mm-hmm. as he looks upon the whole universe in a particular way, not was. They are. They mm-hmm. Even now, God is gazing at man with a particular predilection, which means an affection and a liking mm-hmm. for man that was before he even created him, right? Yeah. We hear in the document, so. Can I, can I ask you guys yeah. a question on that? Because one thing that popped up, and um, not that we are huge theologians here uh-huh. by any stretch of the imagination, but do you think that gaze that you just now mentioned mm-hmm. so beautifully, Becky, um, is there a way that you could look at that to say that possibly that was because he knew he would become man one day? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Is yes. that is that kind of right order, yes. right thinking? That is that is how John Paul II um, writes. Mm-hmm. Is that is always with that um, proposition mm-hmm. that we were, and he he really makes a, a very solid argument for it repeatedly through theology of the body about that we were um, just like the scripture said we were chosen in Him, mm-hmm. in Christ before creation, right, mm-hmm. and that always it was God's intention that he would become one with us and that we would share, um, that he would share in our humanity, that we could share in his divinity and become his sons and daughters. That's mm-hmm. always been his, in his plan. So if you think about, we just talked about how we feel about our children, then that was my point about how he feels about us first in this document being repeated when we feel that sense of responsibility to recognize that the only way we're going to have the... Our, we do have a certain capacity that he's given us in autonomy to be able to respond. But the most, but when we feel like we are impoverished in any way in making that response and relationship to others who are entrusted to us, um, is to recognize that the source of that is receiving from God that gaze, yeah. that gaze of his affection and his love with which he wishes to endow you with everything you need to respond um, in your responsibility towards that person. And like you mentioned at times when the other people fail in their responsibility towards you, you know, Mm -hmm. like I feel like that's probably for me at the heart of this meditation is to see the beauty of God's design, you know, in this givenness that he is giving himself to us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then and receiving us. <laughs> you and know. I know right. because of time, we don't always yeah. we 
didn't get a chance to read all the document yeah, on we, that. But that'll happen all the time. Just yeah. kind of <laughs> tying that in. I want to squeak this in if yeah. I could really quick because later on yes, it talks sure. about um, – St. Joseph and Mary. I love that. I'm right. glad you're, you're bringing that yeah, up. And yes. So, so uh-huh. quoting Matthew, I think it was 120, um, the do not be afraid to take Mary to yourself mm-hmm. means do everything to recognize that gift she is to you. Um, was just a, a whole different kind of a, a, a tweaking there for me on that that particular verse right mm-hmm. there was... Wow, okay. Um, Because you would think of all of the social norms of the fear Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. would creep into you, but now it would be your, it's from a perspective of not worthiness. You know, don't be afraid that you're not. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And so, kind of to your point, Becky, is have that feeling in our relationships today. Right. Right. And to kind of add to that and to, I think drop a very, very large concept as we try to end. But okay. <laughs> the, here we go. We, the conversation continues yeah. anyway. So, okay. So, God's predilection for us is so great that it's even spoken of in theology that that is what caused the fall of the angels. Mm. Right. Yeah. That's And that's one of the things that wow. we can see as, as one of the proofs yeah. of what's being proposed that we were chosen before creation. Mm hmm to receive the incarnation despite our sin and in fact you know in spite of it i yeah. get, we, we if we had not sinned he would have come anyway yeah he mm-hmm. would have this idea that man was elevated mm-hmm. so greatly that even the angels were told to serve yeah and they chose not to right and some of them some of them yeah that's yeah that's and, in our tradition and right? now so their entire is. mission is trying to convince man that he is not worthy right right yeah but God so, chooses us anyway. Yeah. But he so. chooses us anyway. <laughs> he chooses us anyway. All right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining us once again on Handbook for Humanity. And we are so excited that you continue to to tune in. Um, if you want to dive in a little deeper, we also have our podcast available on Spotify, Apple, Google. And um, we are also always interested in your feedback or anything that our listeners want to share. So yes. you can email us handbookfh1 at gmail.com and so um, thanks again for joining us God bless and we will catch you again and thank you for joining us today you can find everything we reference and discuss in today's show notes if you'd like to contact us with a question or comment or anything you want to share let us know please send an email to handbookfh1 at gmail.com again that's handbookfh1 at gmail.com Please subscribe to this podcast. We're available on all major networks such as Spotify, Apple, or Google. If you have a minute, please leave a review. Honest, what you think. We definitely want to know. Share with your friends, family, anyone who is human that you think can benefit from these conversations. Handbook for Humanity is a production of the DeZormo Foundation, a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life, born and unborn. If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit desormofoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X foundation.org to donate, look under funds column, and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support.